Welcome to the Ocean and Me podcast. I am your host, Caroline. Let's jump into the waves of today's episode. Today, my next guest is a well-known scuba diver, and she's now working at a program called Broadreach. So everyone, please give it up for Saskia Charles. How are you today, Saskia? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. I am really happy to reconnect with you again, and I'm excited to do this. Me too. I'm very excited. All right, let's get started. Okay, so I wanted to start the interview with how I started with all episodes is asking what, when did you realize that you had passion for the ocean? Was there like a specific moment in your childhood where you're like, oh, I want to become a scuba diver? Or did you gain that passion later in your young adult life? I would say for myself, I was always passionate for the environment and the ocean. Like the first drawings I ever did were a fish. So I drew them everywhere, even like my bedroom wall, which my parents were not very happy about, but there's fish on my bedroom wall um, at home. And then growing up as a swimmer. So water has always been kind of a big part of my life. And it just became more important as I got older and kind of noticing the environment more and how important it was to just myself. It just became more and more important and became more of a passion for sure. I kind of have a similar experience with swimming and how that kind of grew with my passion. So I totally um, see where you're coming from. How long did you compete swim for or like swam for? Um, I would think I started swimming when I was about like five or six was when I started getting competitive. And then I swam until I was like 14, 15. So quite a while as a competitive swimmer. It's like all in my family. So that's all we do. Yeah. Yeah. Same. So, and when did you like get your, um, open water certification for scuba diving? For scuba diving, it's actually interesting because I've only been certified since March of 2020. So basically a week before kind of COVID hit, I went on my spring break of my senior year. So I've only been certified for almost two years now. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's still kind of interesting. So what kind of other scuba, scuba certifications do you have currently? Um, I would say I have, so it's, it breaks it up a little bit. So there's, I have 11, I think at like a student level. Mm-hmm. And then there are four that are at a teaching level with Patty and SSI. So mm-hmm. uh, with student level it's like pretty much all the basic courses and then for like specialty wise it'd be like enriched air or nitrox um wreck diving deep what else i'm starting my tech journey so tech 40 um i've done that and core restoration and then and a side mount as well and that would be some of those convert to my what i can teach level so I can teach side mount, I can teach deep diving, I can teach nitrox courses, and I can teach wreck diving. So they're the same kind of courses, but then there's the instructor side of it. Is there also like certifications for like teaching like open water to like other non-certified divers or is that like a different kind of like thing? 
So if you were non-certified, you, as an open water scuba instructor, just mm -hmm. going off of the PADI certification, and this is the same for SSI, you then become certified as a discover scuba diving or an intro to diving, try scuba diving, whatever the name is, instructors. So those are the people that can go out and teach people how to dive that are non-certified if they want to do it for a day or if they want to get fully certified, you have to be an open water scuba instructor or that acceptable level within each organization to do so. Okay, that seems really interesting. So I guess my next question is, what kind of like made you decide to become like a scuba diver? Um, I would say for being a scuba diver in general, I definitely was thinking about, okay, I need to think of something fun to do that I want to do for spring break. And we thought like, hey, you know what? I think I really want to try scuba diving. It's an interesting activity. I haven't done it before. I've been snorkeling in a lot of places. I grew up swimming, things like that. I really enjoyed being in the water and being in the ocean. And I was like, you know what? My parents have been certified for a really long time. So my dad, he was in the army when he was younger. So he's been certified for a very, very long time since like the seventies or eighties. And then my mother got certified in, I believe like 15 years ago, no, 20 years ago now. So they've been certified for a very long time. So it kind of was like, oh, we're already certified. You guys can get certified. So I have two sisters. We both got certified, or we all three got certified together and then just went from there. <laughs> Do you think that you might um, be like a scoop? Is this kind of like a career path for you right now? Or are you thinking that you might expand it to something more? I think as of right now, I might expand it into something more. I'm just trying to figure out what I think mm -hmm. it may involve scuba diving for some way, but for sure, whatever I'm going to do next will involve the environment in some way. Like before working at Broadreach, I was working for a nonprofit focused in marine conservation and working in legislation and kind of donor development there. So it's another side of the environment that works in. So it's more the nonprofit side. So kind of, at least it's involved the environment in some way. So we'll see, who knows. That's super cool. Um, I do want to ask, as a like scuba diver, um, to maybe like share to like people in the audience who might consider be scuba certified, what do you think are the most rewarding parts of being a scuba diver? As a scuba diver, I would say specifically, are we talking about being a scuba diver or being an instructor? It could be both. I would say for a scuba diver that no matter where you go as a diver, the dive site's not always the same. Like there's always going to be something out of your control like there's always something unexpected right you can go to a dive site maybe like 20 30 times and you think oh it's the same thing every time it's never the same thing every time you never know the environmental conditions will change maybe there's been a lot of rain the visibility is completely different all of the currents going a completely different way than normal or you see some like interesting marine life so it's always very unexpected and it's just 
it's a lot of random things that can happen and you just don't know because no dive is exactly the same. With the latter of being an instructor, I would say the most rewarding part is having some of the ability to always improve your own courses because it's the same thing. Each one is very different depending on the students and their needs. And it's just amazing to watch someone grow, like conquer their fears and try to help them become underwater ambassadors. So for example, like one of my first students that I taught by myself, I did his open water and advanced open water. And then after that, he did his dive master. So that was super rewarding to be able to like watch someone do that and like decide to go fully into it after just teaching him the basics. I bet it was. And you should be totally proud of yourself for like helping some of these like kids to become like even better, even better scuba divers in the future. And I think you should be really proud of yourself. I try. It was like the most rewarding part for Broadreach for sure was like having kids thank you afterwards of like thank you for teaching me how to dive and like getting me exposed to the water I never thought I would do that so it's always super rewarding to have that happen yeah actually we're gonna get to Broad Reach in right now so have you ever been offered different locations in Broad Reach other than Curacao or is there or or were you hired specifically just to do Curacao so as so I was specifically hired just as a scuba instructor and I thought mm -hmm. I was going to be in St. Martin. So Broadreach itself, uh, the majority of the programs are based in St. Martin on the French side of the island. Mm -hmm. So I was there for three weeks training and helped set up the camps there this summer. But other than like St. Martin and Curacao, you can find Broadreach programs in Egypt. You can find some in Bali, Fiji, Ecuador, Costa Rica, the Bahamas, and Bonaire are the few that I can think of that are kind of set up everywhere. But I was hired specifically after a little bit of time for Curacao. Okay. So, so you haven't like really scuba dive for like other locations that Broad Reach were? Uh, at Broad Reach, no. Okay. No. Okay. I do want to ask um, during my time at Broad Reach during the summer, I think maybe um, we cut you and I and Greg did one or two dives together. One of the reasons why is because mainly because you and Greg may, uh, Greg is another um, scuba instructor that was in the Curacao team while I was there. Um, so you and Greg mainly taught the kids who never scuba dived before. So with you and the other instructors, do you guys like change roles to see like who like teaches which group? Do you guys like switch roles as who's teaching the open water certification and the others like teaching the advanced um, certification? Like, how does that work? I would say for our program in particular, uh, at least for in my case, I was the instructor with the most recent experience in teaching courses in general. So I was teaching the month before Broadreach. So I was really familiar with what to do and how to teach. And everyone else was coming off of a little bit of time since COVID and everything of not teaching. So that was the main distinction between who was teaching the open water and who was being with the certified divers at the beginning. And also I really wanted to teach the most amount of courses on the, each program. So we talked about with one another of who wants to do what and our goals 
And then that helped decide who was going to do what courses and kind of be the main instructor of planning everything. That sounds like a really good strategy, especially if you're like teaching like different like um, skill sets with different groups. And um, I know you kind of like touched Lyon on this earlier, but what is the feeling that you get when you're given a role to teach kids about the ocean, specifically like scuba diving? Do you see yourself like a guide or like an educator to the world under the surface of the ocean? I would say like a thousand percent as a dive instructor, you are like an educator and teaching people about the ocean. So especially as being a scuba diver, not even just as an instructor, you get to see what is happening down below and the impact we have on the environment. So you really get to see it up in person. Like not everyone gets the chance to go in the ocean. Not everyone lives near an ocean. They can't see what's really happening on reefs or in different like kelp forests, for example, you can see it up in person. But as an instructor, the other side, you really get to educate divers on how to be greener divers and what is actually going on down there. Like what are the different species that are going on or why is there a certain species here, like invasive species or even animal behaviors of like, hey, there's all these cleaning stations that we wanna kind of keep our distance from and certain behaviors you wanna watch and kind of, it just helps you explore more about the environment, get more familiar but it also just educates people of why this is so important and why we really should care so much about the biodiversity, especially with coral reefs, because that's what mm-hmm. most of my experience is for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. And I definitely think that you, Raul, Greg, and Megan had did a significantly good job with teaching um, us about the importance of our ocean, the importance of coral. So I just want to give you a round of applause. Hey, thank you. Thank you. It's always good. It's always good to hear. That's what you want. <laughs> I mean, I miss my Broad Reach family so much and I wish we can like do like a Broad Reach reunion or something. I try to do like a, t- I try to like contact the kids from our trip and to do like a reunion episode on the ocean and me, but I can only, but I only got Ava. So <laughs> yeah. No. All right. Yeah. Well, we can figure it out. We can figure it out. Yeah. So anyways, um, just a quick question. During our um, Broad Reach trip, what would you say was your favorite scuba dive? My favorite scuba dive out of our trip? Oh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. it, it definitely blends together a little bit. But I would say of doing, when we went to um, Playa Grande, when we did the like turtle dive up on the northwest side, that was pretty fun. I remember because, that. Yeah, a lot of people wanted to see the turtles. It was my, for our first session, that was the first time of going there. So I was super excited to go and just seeing the turtles and seeing how different the reefs are because mm-hmm. this reef was a lot more healthy and a lot more hardcore growing on it. So it was really beautiful to be able to see that. And then of course, seeing turtles was amazing because who doesn't want to see a turtle? Oh my God, I love sea turtles. I That was my favorite too, because I got to see sea turtles. I also got to see the most biggest, like I think it was like a spider crab and it was so freaky. It was kind of cool. So yeah, I really love that dive, but I also love the deep war dive and the night dive. Like those two were my mm-hmm. um, other favorites. And also with, others where I got to saw like a lionfish. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I will never forget when we went to um the lionfish store and you were like struggling to like cut the fin for the jewelry. Do you remember that? Oh uh, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that was good. I still have that. I'm wearing that bracelet right now. So oh, I, really? I, yeah, I gotta have it on. Yeah, yeah. Oh right. wow. Yeah, I wear it all the time. This never comes off really. And I always get to tell people, hey, I made this bracelet at a Lionfish Caribbean. It comes up quite a lot. Um, I made a necklace and earrings. I gave the necklace to my mom and I gave the earrings to my sister where she broke them the two days later. Ah, yeah. So I gave my ring to my sister. So she has it. I don't think she's broken it yet. That's so that's fingers crossed. Hopefully she hasn't broken it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a really awesome experience. And also dissecting a lionfish. That was also um describable and cool. Um Anyways, so I did interview Megan for this podcast a, cu- a few months ago. If you guys haven't listened, please listen to the episode. It's a really good episode. I want to ask if you guys have any funny stories with you and Megan on the Broad Reach trip. Oh, well, Megan and I have a lot of funny stories with our Broad Reach experience. It was, it was great. I would say one of our experiences we had was we had a stash of emergency chocolate. That was quite funny. It was a big Tupperware box of chocolate in the fridge for us to eat in case of emergency, which happened quite a bit for us. So anytime <laughs> it was uh, very stressful or you needed to cry or it was actually just really happy, like you would eat some chocolate. So yeah, I could not ask for a better co-lead and friend to be with. And yeah, we still work together today. So you can see we still work quite well together, which is great. She took the job at the uh, um, what was the place called again? Um, the sort she got she got offered like a job. I remember from this sort of like reef restoration place. Is she still working there? She is indeed. Yes, that is part of her job. So she works uh, with so reef renewal is half of her job and the other half mm-hmm. is being a dive instructor so she's still doing that she was doing a course just today on coral oh. yeah yeah i i hope she's doing well and i really miss her and also greg and raul i'll let them know i'll let them know thanks um so before we get head into our important questions i do want to ask as a scuba diving instructor what have you learned about the ocean mm-hmm. I think as a dive instructor, you learn how to look for the small things, like within your students, but also within the environment. So nowadays, before even being a dive instructor, I know way more about the different species on corals and sponges and other animal life that inhibits the Caribbean more than I've ever known before. So now I just look around and identify species on a daily basis. And you just see how many there are, and you see how diverse it is and why the oceans and our reefs are so important to protect. The other side of that is just, you know, looking at students and being able to help them as much as possible. So being able to be that environmentally friendly dive instructor so you can always help out with students or people that you're guiding around of better ways to dive and better practices that they should keep up hopefully within the rest of their diving career. 
I definitely see you in that kind of way. And I think you are doing an amazing job of being such a great teacher to these kids and to many others about the world of scuba diving. And I'm very proud to be um, a student of yours. Just thank you for teaching me so much about coral and like so much more about the ocean. Thank you. Of course, my door is always open. So any of my students know they're more than welcome to come back. I get questions all the time from previous students of, hey, I want to go here. What do you think about the diving or just general advice? That's what I'm there for. And I still do that the same with my mentors that I have. That's amazing. Um, so anyways, let's head over to our important questions. Um, so based on your experience as a scuba diver, how would you define your relationship with the ocean? Hmm. I think... With being a diver, my relationship with the ocean is crucial, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's not, it's just my, it's my office. It's my happy place, a place like where I can go to, to listen to the ocean around me and really nothing else. And just a classroom where I learn new things every day. There's so much about it that I get from it on a daily basis. And it's truly just such a unique place that I'm so lucky that I'm able to go to. I agree too. And how would you define your relationship between the ocean and humanity? Do you think humanity kind of like takes advantage of the ocean? Oh, 100%. Humanity is parasitic to the ocean. We dump our waste in it. We take more than the ocean can support. And we exploit it with really very little benefit to the environment. We take full advantage of the ocean with little regard to how we actually impact it on a daily basis. There's so much that people do all the time and they have no idea what's going on in the ocean, how that's impacting reefs and different oceanic systems that we have. What do you think are the, like, the biggest threats that the ocean is facing today? I think the biggest threats for sure are climate change. If you don't believe in that, you are very wrong, but climate change, pollution, so plastic pollution, or just general pollution, other than that, and overfishing. Those are the three that come up for me. Yeah. And what do you suggest that the audience should do to help the ocean? I think with kind of having a lot of different experiences with environmental causes, there's a lot of outsiders that come into ocean and seaside communities to try and fix the problems that I've mentioned. So climate change, pollution, mm -hmm. overfishing. Fantastic. However, it's quite ineffective. So from my own perspective, community facilitation uh, or just connecting with the culture that's there is crucial for helping the ocean as it just encourages locals that actually live there to help and transform their habits. For example, so lionfish, there is a incredibly invasive species throughout the Caribbean and the Mediterranean seas. So one way to deal with them is through lionfish hunting, right? So that removes them from the environment and turns them into delicious food or the products like these awesome bracelets um, encourages others to hunt them and eat a sustainable species instead of something like tuna or snappers. That's a behavior change. Um, policy work, you know, it's fantastic, but it's slow. And if you want something that sticks and it incentivizes others to do it, like paying them, 
for hunting lionfish. It gives them something out of it. You need to change the behavior. Yeah, that's really great advice. And I think the audience are definitely going to take note to that. And they're going to definitely like follow your lead to what you said, what they should do to help the ocean. So I think you did such an amazing job of giving that advice. And I think it's going to help us figure out a way to help the ocean. So thank you. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Policy work. Uh, like, remember always to go out and vote, but then mm-hmm. voting, not just in the political system, but voting with your dollar and making sure you're contributing to the right causes. You know, if community facilitation's not, you're not able to do that, of being in a local environment, at least supporting those kind of causes that are doing that is an awesome way to go about it. Yeah, go vote, people. <laughs> um, yeah, so I do want to ask you one important question before we wrap up. What is your favorite marine animal? Ah, great, great question. I think about it all the time. <laughs> My favorite animal is a spotted eagle ray. Oh. I think they're stunning. And I absolutely love that each of them have a unique pattern on their backs. So there's an awesome cause. I worked in Cosmel before that. So Cosmel Ocean Research, they have a spotted eagle ray research program. And basically everyone that was diving, they can take a picture of the back and they can tell you if they've identified them in their database or not. So you can find out if that particular eagle ray has actually been logged before or not. So they're my favorite. I absolutely love them. Yeah, eel rays are so pretty. I didn't know you um, worked at a research um, facility. or It wasn't a research facility. So it's just this uh, a nonprofit outside oh. of, inside Cosmel. So we helped out a little bit with them. Yeah, I enjoy working with cool people in different places. So it's fun. Yeah. I really hope that maybe one day we can work together, maybe like at scuba divers or something, because I would love to go scuba diving with you again. Absolutely. I'm always open to do a dive. That window's always there. Yeah. When um, is Broadreach's next like batch of kids coming to Curacao this year? I actually, it's funny that you asked that. There's actually a program starting the end of this month that's going to be here for a week. So it's not a diving program, uh, but they will, there is a group coming here for a little trip for the week. But then there'll be fully more programs around again for the summer. So around June, there'll be another batch coming in. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be really fun. Um, so yeah, Saskia, thank you so much for being on my podcast today. Is there anything else you want to say to our lovely audience? I think something to think about, and I talked to Megan about this too, they definitely the ocean is a shared resource plagued by the tragedy of the commons. So if you don't know what that is, it's an economic concept where basically individuals are always going to act in their own self-interest and deplete the common resources of the ocean. So right now we're like currently on the brink of a resource collapse for our oceans. And so while there is still a debate on what is the best solution we definitely still need to make space for the local communities to gain a seat at the table to share the perspectives and save the oceans and their livelihoods from being destroyed from developed nations like the US instead of just letting them continue to be unheard. So just let the people in at the table and make sure everyone's voice is being heard and represented instead of just letting big people push them aside. 
It's always good. Wisely said, I couldn't agree more. This has been such an amazing episode. And I think after listening to this episode, I think I'm going to create my own emergency chocolate stash for my own benefit. You always need one. Always. I think I, I have always emergency chocolate on hand. You need some. I will keep you on that for that. But anyways, thank you again. This was so, so amazing reconnecting with you. I enjoyed um, talking about Bra Reach. I miss it every day. I miss everyone who um, I scuba dived with. And I hope they're doing well. And I hope they're listening. Absolutely. Me too. If they are, say hi. Come on. You got it. I will. And maybe we can organize some kind of like reunion episode. I'm really hoping we can do that someday. Absolutely. You got to talk to the right people and then we'll get them all in. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Thank you so much for being my podcast again. And I hope to see you do- soon. Up oh, and that is the bling. That means it's time to wrap up this episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Saskia be sure to check out the Ocean and Me podcast on Instagram to learn more about new episodes every other week. And as always, I'll see you next time on the Ocean and Me. I'll see you later.